first of all, we want to welcome Osho. Thanks for being with us once again, my friend. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. We are ready to uh, get into our fantasy recap for college fantasy football last week. Um, Odell, go ahead and lead the way since you have probably a little bit more worry and more to say about your team. Well, listen, this is where the PG part of the show ends because it is a it was a utter shit show in triple homicide 81's camp. We uh, we put up 167 points, and uh, I, I tell you, we had some tough conversations this week uh, on, on Sunday with my college team. We sat down several players and talked through progressions and kind of figured out where they were and talked about development. And we made some damn cuts is what we did. We uh, revamped. We went uh, cut a bunch of wide receivers, picked up some good running backs that were out there and said, uh, uh, we're going to try a new team out there for, for week three. Being 0-2 is not a situation where I like to be. Uh, we we do have UCLA back on the board, which is going to help. They're, they're playing uh, you, they're playing Fresno this week, so that's going to give me a lift. Not too worried about being 0-2 because uh, here's where you and I typically do well is what we – we scour the waiver wire. We change our teams. Um, typically, I'm one and one um, about this time. So I'm a, I'm a game down from where I want to be. And I just got to get into the top four. So uh, uh, there's some good players out there on the waiver wire. Master Teague has seen the demise on my team. He's out there. Anybody wants to try their luck with him? Hell no. But, uh, you know, I'm feeling really positive, even though we've had some, some players – that I'm competing against, throw out some bullshit trades that are trying to trying to poach me off the top. I, I'm going to roll with my team, and that's that's what I do. I'm a, I'm a winner, and we're going to hunker down and eat some snacks and hope, pray to God, come Saturday night at, at 12:30, we got a Penn State win and we got a triple homicide 81 victory. Yeah, I I hate to throw fuel in the fire, but you're the only 0-2 team so far, which is very unlike you in our our history here in the league. And you did play uh, the newcomer, Paul, who actually had Sam Howell put up a 50, a 50 burger. So don't feel too bad. He, a quarter of his points, almost a quarter of his points, he had 209, came from one player. So it wasn't like his yep. whole team was uh, doing you dirty. Um, for the good fellas, my team, I, uh, I did lose by 15, uh, 207 to 192. I didn't get much production out of uh, my wide receivers. Reggie Roberson from SMU, I'm waiting for him to show up. Um, my other wide receiver, Jalen Robinson, which is normally dependable from UCF, just didn't do anything, even though Dylan Gabriel had his fair share. So um, we'll see what we got. Uh, we didn't make too many transactions um, this past week. Tell me about what was the main one or two that you recall that you made? You know, the, the, the biggest one, as I go back and look, is I dropped Notre Dame's defense and picked up Boston College's. You know, I'm going back to let's take the defense that I know is going to put up some points, which yep. is pretty typical. Uh, I dropped my tight end. was really happy with my tight end during the draft of getting Jake Ferguson of Wisconsin. This cat ain't doing shit. I mean, I've caught more passes than he has, and I haven't left the poker table during football. So I, I went out and picked up uh, Sean Dykes from Memphis. That's a He's good had pick. several good weeks in a row. He's going to, you know, we'll talk about him in, in gambling. But he put up 30 points last week. So I'm going to roll with him um, uh, against a what I think is going to be a shootout 
this weekend versus Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I like Memphis to come in, and I typically will not ever say this and, and haven't, but I think Memphis out-athleticizes them this weekend i think memphis has the athletes to compete with mississippi state and when you look at the line on that it's not very much so the sharks are jumping on it and the line continues to go down so i'm I'm happy about that pickup and i just kind of stacked with some running backs just jumped on some running backs and said listen we're going to go running back heavy from now on you know which is kind of what we've liked to do in the past Got away from it. My fault. Shame on me. But uh, we're going to come out and we're going to go about five, six, and oh, and okay. uh, pick up some some juice. Yep. The, the key is, like you mentioned, get in that top four and then just work it from there. Um, I was able to pick up a couple of key pieces, like you mentioned, on defense. I mean, Iowa's defense is sick. They're playing, they're at home um, against Kent state. I know Kent state is actually capable of putting up some points, but I'm hoping that the Iowa defense can come to play like they had the first two weeks. So I picked them up. I picked up Muhammad Ibrahim's backup, Trace and Potts running back from Minnesota dropped Brock Purdy. I wasn't, uh, Purdy happy with his performance thus far. So, um, yeah, we're going to drop him. I think he's out of any Heisman talk after last week's debacle. Uh, so that's the main players I picked up. So just a little tweaking. We're pretty satisfied with the team across the board. So let's uh, jump into our most least impressive fantasy players. Of course, uh, we're also going to go over most least impressive overall teams. Give me your most impressive fantasy player, whether you have them or not, uh, last week. Most impressive was Brandon Thomas. He is a running back from Memphis, and I who snagged him on the waiver wire, and I, I saved him to talk about during this, during this portion. In two games, he's ran for 338 yards and three touchdowns. Hmm. So we've got him sitting there stashed on the bench. Um, I went out, and as you know, we always talk about this this part of the show leading up, and I was like, you know, who, who really did stand out to me? And I started doing a little research, and I was like, damn, I need to get him and shove him on the bench and just wait because, uh, like I said, we, we're going running back heavy from here on out, and we're going to score some points that way. So I was really impressed with – Went back and saw some Memphis highlights, and I was like, which led me to to picking Memphis later. Um, really athletic. They got skill players, and uh, we're just going to see what happens. Yeah, that's a good pick. Um, <clears throat> seems like Memphis running backs traditionally, if you look at the last few years, they've put out some good production in the NFL. Antonio Gibson, um, a new player this year, Kenneth Gainwell, who didn't play last year because of COVID is playing good for the uh, Eagles. And there's a few more that I can't recall, but there's they have a, a good history with um, running backs in the past. So that's a good pickup. They're going to produce at that position for that team. Um, my most impressive fantasy player, even though I don't have him, is uh, – and I didn't watch the game. I just, I'm a scoreboard hound. I watch scoreboard stats. Even though I'm not watching the games, I'm keeping up with stats. Uh, the running back for Oregon State, B.J. Baylor. Never heard of him. He only had 18 carries, but got 171 yards and three touchdowns. Um, seems like on the highlights, he was a goal line sniper. So when they put, you know, they're anywhere within a yard to five yards out, he was in the ball game, I formation. They were shoving him up the middle. So it seems like that's a pretty good, if they get around the goal line, they're going to put him in there. And uh, I think he scored two touchdowns the week before. So 
he might be a good pickup um, if you if you need a running back. I think he's still out there. I don't think I picked him up. So the previous week he had two touchdowns on only nine carries. So they're looking for him to score. How about uh, your least impressive fantasy player from week two? Week two's got to be Brock Purdy. He looked absolutely horrible and out of his element. And you know we we've watched him a lot last year. If I remember correctly, the year before he was on oh, yeah. that squad and just put up massive numbers. And Iowa State looks discombobulated as a team, and he's not helping. He's throwing ducks out there. And, of course, he he doesn't have help at the wide receiver position like I think he wants. And they're not being able to rely on the run game as much as they want. You know, they got stomped out versus Iowa, which I didn't think would happen. But but they did. So, Brock Purdy is is my uh, least impressive player of the week. Yeah, he's mine as well. Um, it was pretty glaring when I looked at all the the horrible performances. He was the one that stood out. Um, you know, uh, unfortunately, he did play a really good D, and that's no excuse. It's a, it's a reason for the performance. But I think, like I said, he's out of any Heisman talk if he wasn't any to begin with. So, he, you know, he got pulled from the game after going, I think, 13 for 27, 138 yards and three picks. So I concur with that. He is definitely my least, most or least impressive fantasy player from week two. Uh, let's move over to most and least impressive teams overall. What was your most impressive team from week two's action? How about those hogs? Arkansas Big put it on Texas. Mm. I mean, they just never in my life. Now, I, for those of you who don't know me, I have I, I was born in Arkansas and I have followed Arkansas football since I was one year old. And never in my life have I seen Arkansas put the smack down on Texas like they did. You know, for those of you who are longer in the tooth like me, you remember the the uh, old Southwestern Conference. Swack. Texas and Texas A&M and Oklahoma and Arkansas before oh, yeah. they all split up. And Arkansas every year would lose to Texas. Every year of my life, I've seen it. And this weekend, they woke up and said, welcome to the SEC, Longhorns. Have a nice day. We'll see you in two years. And actually put it on them. So that was my most impressive team of the weekend. That's funny you mentioned that because I totally forget that Texas is coming to the SEC, as strange as that sounds. Yes. I I just, I can't see that. But it kind of, geographically, I I get it. If I were to put them in one of the, I wouldn't put them in the Pac-12. I don't think I would, or Pac, whatever the hell they are, and definitely not the Big Ten. So, um, yeah, that's a, 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 t- a sign of things to come. They need to strap up their boots if they're going to come play with the SEC defense. So um, that was definitely a shock and a punch in the mouth. Uh, for my most impressive team, I'm going to Provo. I enjoyed watching this. Uh, BYU, they, they knocked Utah in the mouth at home. Uh, with all that BYU lost – to NFL last year and graduation and probably missions from God that they sent their children out on. Uh, they broke surprisingly a long losing streak in this holy war between BYU and Utah. Just a really quick quiz, not trying to put you on the spot. How many games in a row do you think Utah had won prior to this? Uh, I'd say probably dated back to 86. It's not that bad. It's only nine years, but I was surprised okay. it's even nine years more. because BYU has had some pretty good impressive teams. I mean, I can't think of a, a recent time where they were below 500. 
Um, so yeah, I was surprised that Utah had uh, a leg up for that long. so almost a decade. So it's good to see BYU uh, knock off Utah in Provo. Give me your well, least. I, well, I'll tell yeah, you, I had, uh, I've got that, that BYU running back Algiers and, and we had a conference and he was cut on, on Sunday morning. Yeah, I noticed so, that. What, what uh, is he not produced? I thought he would did well on week one at least. Uh, well, he week one, he, he did okay. And we, we snagged him up and picked him up and then, Last week, he only ran for 97 yards. And with a – BYU is using way too many running backs. Mm, yeah. And, and that's not not helping. And that's that's one of the things that you really have to look at when you're when you're trying to find out somebody that's, that's going to score for you. If they've got two or three running backs, they're filtering back and forth. You're not going to get as many points as if you were, the, you know, the bell cow. You see that a lot with Oregon. You see it a lot with um, – most of the SEC schools, they're just shoveling in. Alabama's known for it. They got three or four running backs standing on the sidelines, and and you you can't you can't really get a lot of points like that. Yeah, it's, it's unfortunate that they have a running back by committee. I thought he would stand out after last year's performance. He was pretty solid last year. Uh, who do you have for your least impressive team of week two? Least Notre Dame. They look like garbage. I mean, they really did. I. I try to find ways to to like Notre Dame, and they just mm. they played Toledo and won by a field goal. So it, it, I've got this down as one of my one of my games because I think Notre Dame has to rebound. They've been embarrassed two weeks in a row now. Uh, they're two and zero, and and they keep moving up the the rankings, but they squeak by Florida State by a field goal. Monday night, first game of the season. Okay, I get it. It was in Tallahassee, Bobby Bowden. You got Milton on a bionic leg. Okay, I'll, I'll give you that one. But to roll in and play Toledo and win by a field goal, un-fucking-acceptable. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just no there's no other use excuse for it. So they're going to have to rebound this week. So I, I've got them in one of my, my bets we'll talk about, and I'm going pretty heavy on them and my personal money. So we'll we'll see how that works out for us. I'm surprised that we don't have the same least impressive team. I thought it would be um, anonymous or not anonymous, unanimous. Um, I'm going with Florida State, they, Jacksonville State, an FCS school, with all due respect. They shouldn't be losing in Tallahassee to an FCS school. That's a team you invite to play and you pay big money to showcase your team and mm-hmm. to roll up the scoreboard. It's one of those getting ready for the ACC games just like Florida had a few years back with Georgia Southern in the swamp, this is their Georgia Southern. I mean, when does the bleeding stop for FSU? They've been lost, it seems, since Jimbo jumped ship for AM, hiring an uh, offensive-minded, you know, Norvell from Memphis after Taggart got fired. It's just not working out so far. Um, yeah. I, I really think that he's the right hire, that they did the right thing. I just don't think they had the players. So that's my yeah. least impressive by far. I agree with you. I, I couldn't hear the game. Um, mm. I had my, my iPad, I was at the poker room mm. and my iPad died on me. I was, uh, I celebrated another Penn state victory and it, it watched some of the other games and it just, it, it was done. So I could see what was going on, but I couldn't hear. And I thought it was Dion's team. I oh, thought Jackson it was Jackson state, state oh, not Jacksonville so state. So I was yeah. sitting far, I was sitting just far enough away where I couldn't see everything. I could just see what was happening. Right. And 
as I sat there and watched it, I was like, Dion's team, you know, he's he's got their number, and this is going to put him on the map. And I got home, and I could see that my text was just blowing up my my phone. And I looked down, and I'm like, okay, so Jacksonville, Jackson State beat them. I get it. And then the next morning, I was talking to one of my comrades. He's like, no, Jacksonville State. I'm like, Jesus yeah. Christ, that's a high school team. Yeah. I mean, they don't have probably – they might have one – player that can play division one on that whole team being yep. a small a school like that so or a real major you know major five conference five one, so one star maybe two star athletes go there unfortunately yeah. with all due respect to them but uh yeah they they got spanked and and a funny thing is that you know i like to my favorite thing to do during the games is live betting and i was sitting around with the family just playing cards and, and following the scoreboard on my phone like a ridiculous degenerate and i saw that they were jacksonville state was only they were down 17 7 so it was still 10 point and they were 14 to 1 i was like all right what the hell let's do 10 bucks on it so i got 14 to 1 and you know uh came back and i was i watched them score all of a sudden they were within distance i think they hit a field goal to tie it up and they got the ball back and i'm like laura give me the remote i, I put it on there and she was half asleep and i was like let's watch this and i told her the scenario and Sure enough, they didn't hit that damn Hail Mary. I went crazy. I mean, it was 10 bucks to win 140, but it was a pretty good hit just for uh, shits and giggles there at the end of the night. So that was a fun story for uh, gambling. This and all of our podcasts are sponsored by Malicious Intent Apparel and Sports Memorabilia. Check them out at www.mal-int.com. That's mal-int.com. To purchase your next humorous sports t-shirt or that signed rookie car you already have pictured in your man cave. Earn 15% off your next purchase when you use the promo code 15onMI. That's 15onMI. And be sure to follow us at Giving the Points Podcast on Twitter for our weekly college football picks and random college football info and thoughts. And with that, we thank you again for listening to the pod and following us on social media. Let's take a look at week three slate of games. Uh, every week I ask Odell to give me three games he's looking forward to watching of any fantasy relevance included and give me a rating of one to 10 with decimal points. So let's hear your three for this week. I'm going to give you two good ones. These are the only two that really matter unless you're a gambling degenerate. Here. Alabama at Florida. Alabama at Florida is going to be a really good game for about 15 minutes. Florida is going to try to trounce out a quarterback that's got a bad hammy. They're trying to hide it. Um, I've got multiple sources telling me that he is not ready to play, that uh, he's nursing it pretty bad, and they're trying mm. to pull – some say they're trying to pull a ShamWow on Alabama, so they got to prepare for two different quarterbacks, uh, Richardson and Emory. So I think Alabama's going to get the best of them, but it's going to it's going to tell us just how good Alabama is. Yeah, now, Alabama's a, started off at a at a fifteen point favorite. It's down to fourteen and a half, which I don't know why in God's name it's down to fourteen and a half. It's probably like a 17 point game. So that's a 330 that's going to be really good to watch. Yep. And finally, after a year and a half, we've got a game that we can be excited about. 
Auburn is going to roll up to State College in the whiteout and play Penn State. What's interesting about this game is it's going to tell us, number one, how good is truly Auburn and do they have a shot? It's also going to solidify Penn State if they can win as being a top-tier team and get them back into that top 10. They're sitting at 11 right now. A lot of questions about Franklin. Franklin's come out, and he's not he's not going to go to USC. So I get a lot of questions about that. He's not yeah. leaving Penn State to go to US. I'm sorry to yeah to USC. Mm-hmm. He's a Pennsylvania kid. He went to went to college in Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. He is one of those people who don't like the hustle and bustle. I would be very surprised if he left Penn State to go somewhere like USC. Um, he's got girls that are in school there. They from what I can read, you know, from my vantage point, they seem to be happy, so they're not leaving. So those are the two that I'm really looking for. This game is really interesting, too, because the line opened on this at Penn State minus seven. It's already moved to five, and in some books, four and a half. So there are a lot of folks putting money on Auburn, and I understand why. Penn State hasn't shown they've got much of an offense until the last two – second halves of the last two games, but they look really sharp against a really good ball state team who don't get enough credit. That was Mm -hmm. to me, that was a scare game last week and they're going to come out under the lights, white out Herb street and the gang in tow, and they're going to lay it on Auburn. Got it. Looking forward to those for sure. And yeah, that's one of my, what do you give this week on a scale of one to 10? I gave it a 7.3. Okay. There, there's not a lot of head-to-head matchups that are really good. This is our typical week two of what used to be college football. We're in week, I think they're calling it week four now or week 3.0 Three point or whatever. Pie, yeah. Yeah, but but there's not a lot of just bang up games that are because everybody's gearing up for next week. Next week will be the big one when we start playing conference play. And we really see who's doing what. But those those were the two that jumped out at me, and I, I rated it at 7.3. It's still college football. Absolutely. I, I'll, I'll agree with you 100% on Bama at UF. Interested to see if the Swamp is uh, still hard territory to play in, which I don't think it is anymore. When Spurrier mm-hmm. was there, it certainly was. But uh, that's a definitely a different uh, era now. So definitely that's a good old CBS 330 kick. Um, I'm looking forward to it uh, tonight. ESPN 2, 8 p.m., Tulane at Ole Miss. It might sound like a quirky game, but Tulane has been known to put up some points, and Ole Miss for sure is not shy about no defense with uh, Lane Kitten. Um, the over is 75. I, I would definitely uh, – if we're going to – this is a hint of what's to come on my wagers as well. I like that game a lot. Um, the quarterback for Tulane, I think is Pratt, Michael Pratt. It's really played really well the first two games, almost came back against Oklahoma. So I like to watch that game. I've got a vested interest with a, one of the wide receivers for Ole Miss as well. And then finally, we'll pack 12 after dark. Arizona State, who has been playing really well so far at BYU, 10.15 p.m. on ESPN. Um, overall this week, I'm going to give it a 7.9. Uh, it seems there's more top 25 matchups than last week. So it wasn't hard to improve over last week's uh, somewhat meager schedule. Um, so let's go ahead and change gears to wagering. I thought first what we would do before we recap last week's wagers and outcomes, um, we talk a little bit real quick about our 
first sports wagering story. Um, I think I can recall mine. And uh, we're going to start with you. What was your first, not just going to a casino and placing the bet on red or black, your first sports wagering story? The first time I can remember placing a wager and losing on a sports event was in 1982. I was Jeez. nine years old. I bet a Snickers bar with my grandfather that the Los Angeles Lakers would beat the Boston Celtics in the NBA finals. Oh, okay. And uh, I somehow had to scrounge up 85 cents to go buy my grandfather a Snickers bar because I did lose that bet. And it, it was a valuable lesson. Um, it was a valuable lesson that don't bet more than you can afford to lose. Absolutely. Um, and no bet is a sure thing. And just because Magic Johnson is out there on the court doesn't mean that you're going to come through with a victory. Gotcha. That's a that's a good non-monetary uh, wagering story for sure. And that was what year? 1982 NBA 82. Finals. Wow, that was early Magic and uh, Kareem at his possibly yes. peak. Nice, nice pull. Um, mine was somewhat later in life. I, I wasn't known to to place wagers. I was pretty tight with the penny. Um, back in 2004-ish, I was living down in Boca Raton with uh, John Fowler, in fact. And I worked at a golf course, Boca Point, And I was just working in the um, pro shop, scheduling tee times, yada, yada. And this wannabe Goomba that was one of the starters um, at the course, he, if you think of Robert Loggia, the guy from Big and Scarface and all kinds of movies, he was a lookalike of Robert Loggia, gravelly voice. Um, this dude from up north, I guess had buddies, I won't say connected, but they had, uh, for about six months, they were running these little parlay slips it's the first time i had ever encountered them so basically it was all the games and what dollar amount you wanted to wager and you you circled them so it was like all paper and pencil so yeah. um you you kind of circled i didn't ever want to you could never win a lot now i only did five dollars it was cheap as hell five maybe ten but um you would circle the teams you wanted to bet on and i was you know so tight i'd only do one parlay and it would be some three or 14 parlay because I wanted to win a lot, but it never yeah. hit. I don't think I ever won one. So, uh, you know, I, I placed ridiculous bets for $5 and, you know, some things never change. So here I am today, 2022, 18 years later doing the same thing. So that was the first that I can recall. I may have done one before that, but that's the one that stands out as the golf course back in 04. When did you start gambling, gambling? Gambling, gambling was probably... I'd say about 10, 12 years ago. So pretty late in the life, pretty late. Okay, so 2010. Okay. Maybe early, maybe 2008. Yeah, I started my gambling ventures in about nine, really gambling, and probably 1995. Damn. I knew some guys that would, would take bets, and they were small in the beginning. You know, five, ten dollars here and there. And then when I, I had a, a friend that I ran into in the early 2000s whose uncle was a bookmaker, mm. a true bookmaker. And he still is to this day in in another state. And we would call him and say, I want, 
you know, at the beginning of the season, you send a, a wad of money, you know, 500,000, whatever, you know, I never sent that much. I, I think I'd always send 300 bucks at a time. And, and you have to call on Saturday morning, you get the lines, you place your bets. And then on Sunday, you do the same thing. And then on Monday, you call in your Monday night game. And on Tuesday, the money's due Tuesday morning. It was one of those type deals. And I did that for five or six years until the internet got to where you could go online and do that. And then yeah. I've been internet crazy since then. Yeah. I never had uh, anyone that uh, a bookie or anyone that I did in person wagers with, I kind of always wanted to do it, but um, you know, I would never bet more than I had, obviously. Um, but anyway, yeah, I've always liked to do I, I've always thought about doing the other side of it, like uh, taking, taking, because you can set the lines, you know, See, a, a book, there's no damage to a bookie. You know, anyone that I've ever talked to that's done it illegally. And there's, I've talked to probably 10 different people that, it, that I've bumped into that, that does it. The only time that they ever get worried is when all the money is going on one side and they can't get anybody to go on the other side. Right. You know, and, and they, they also say that watching sports becomes just, it just becomes unbearable because when you have those games, you know, you're, your livelihood depends on it. So, which brings me to a different point. Have you ever seen the movie with Matthew McConaughey? Where two he for is the a, money. Two for the money. Absolutely. It's terrible, but I love it. Terrible movie, but it's, 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 it's true to life. They say that's pretty much true to life and what it's like. Right. Yeah. Pacino's uh, not believable as the position he's in, but uh, it's definitely for our audience, I would recommend. I wouldn't say must see, but it's, it's probably worth a watch. It's, it's kind of, I hate the fact that they can't use the real teams. They have to say New York and Miami, just generics. Like, yeah, like we're in tech mobile. They can't use the, the <laughs> life for whatever reason, but uh, anyhow, let's uh, hit a quick break and we'll be back to recap our wagers from last week and give our picks for this week. Okay. We are back. So let's quickly recap uh, last week's, we'll say debacle for Odell. Give us a recap, mm. my friend, of week two's uh, frustrating wagers for you. Oh, my gosh. Frustrating is, to say the least. And we come out of the box in week one, look like when we knew what we were doing, and everybody shit the bed in, in week two. We had Notre Dame costing us 88 because they can't cover. We had Tennessee falling asleep and not hitting the money line. We had Notre Dame again in a parlay, which was actually a teaser that they couldn't even cover. And then we had Tampa Bay not covering and the Bills not covering. So we started off at 1,070 last week because we were up. Ended the week at 773. So we lost a huge chunk. Mm. Um, but we're going to rebound this week. We're going to okay. rebound this week. On the other side of the coin with Cox, I was able to hit my uh, Oregon bet. I figured they were at least good for two touchdowns. Um, it was 14 and a half, so I took Oregon. I hit uh, bet 50 to win 45. I lost the rest of my wagers. I had Buffalo money line at Nebraska. I don't know why I did that. Lost 50. Uh, I had my six-point teaser, including Michigan, Texas, and Iowa. Uh, Texas did me in. I would have been good, I believe, for the rest of them. So I would have mm -hmm. hit 85. So I lost 50. 
And then finally, I can't believe I did this, but I did it. Jacksonville minus three. They got shellacked at Me Houston. either. Yeah, I, I lost 50 on that. So the most important <laughs> part of last week's, um, we'll say green, I'm in the green on our side bets, which is the yes. uh, Oregon and Ohio State. Surprisingly, of course, Oregon won outright at the shoe. Uh, so I will tally up $5 on our end of year total from Mr. Osho and hopes he can come back and uh, make a charge. And we'll see what happens. Uh, we haven't talked about this week's side bet, but it'll come organically with our picks for this week. So best five bucks I've ever spent okay. watching Ohio I, State lose. It was a it was a very surprising game. I, I, I enjoyed seeing Ohio State get a little something something at home so it was cool to see a pac 12 team come come through and uh beat a big 10 team it shows me a lot about pac 12 now uh, surprisingly i didn't think they were capable of doing that but congrats to the ducks if you would have called me two weeks ago and said listen i'll give if you give me 50 bucks penn state will be two and oh we'll have beat wisconsin and ohio state's one and one I would have sent you 50 bucks of Venmo. I, I done, done yeah, deal. For so. sure. Yeah, I would have definitely not predicted that. So uh, week three, tell me who you got. As a reminder for our listeners, we'd like to pick one college spread, or excuse me, one college pick with the spread, one straight up money line underdog, one parlay and or teaser, and one NFL with pick with the spread. So what do you got for this week? This week's simple. We're, we're going back to basics here. Charlotte plus four. We're taking Charlotte. We're going to put 105 on Charlotte to win 96. Charlotte has shown me over the last couple of weeks and during last season that they are a force to be reckoned with. I don't see that changing. Um, I'm looking up here to see because I've, I've got two different sheets I'm looking at. Yeah, playing Georgia but, State. They're playing Georgia State, and Georgia State's not the Georgia State we knew from last year. So I, I look for Charlotte to cover that four, and I almost made it my money line, but I, I decided to go a different route and make some more money. So with my money line, I'm going Memphis. You know, I talked about this game earlier. I do think Memphis has the athleticism to compete with Mississippi State. I have not seen anything good come out of Mississippi State. In the last, oh, six games that I've seen them playing and kind of went back and did some research. What's interesting is that we've got one of those teams that could come out of nowhere to play in an SEC school and really, really make some headway. So what we're going to see is a very high-scoring game in this, in this game. And – I think Memphis outscores Mississippi State. I really do. Now, if you look at the the line on this one, the over-under opened at 58 and a half. Mm-hmm. It's already up to 65. Wow. So the gamblers that be are are touting the over. Yeah. Mississippi sure. State opened at three, and they're only three and a half. And they're playing in Memphis. Mm-hmm. So I really like that money line. On my teaser, I'm going to go 110 to 192. I want Cincy getting six, giving them a plus 1.5. And I want Notre Dame to come back 
and they're going to be giving up 1.5. Notre Dame's not going to lose. One and a half is not enough to, to scare me. So I, I really like that. That's probably the most, most touted bet, and I've got that in my personal funds as well, big. So um, that's where we're leading with that one. And then NFL, we're going – we're buying a hook and going 110 to win 82 on Buffalo. Buffalo looked horrid last week. They're not going to look bad again. They played a, a lucky Pittsburgh team. Buffalo was up 10 nothing before I could flip my screen onto something else watching red zone, and they just fell apart. They're not going to let that happen again this week. A couple of interesting tidbits, some things you for those of you out there that might want to pay attention to this. Maryland's playing Illinois this weekend. Maryland was a, opened up at a five-point favorite. It's already up to seven and a half. You've got Notre Dame playing Purdue. It opened at eight. It's already down to seven. So the Sharps are betting Purdue. And then Miami, the Hurricanes, opened at eight versus Michigan State. It's already down to six. Hmm. So the lines on those three games are the ones that are moving the most. And the Sharps, who were betting earlier in the week, are putting their money on those three teams. Well, I like what you do there. And maybe we need to do that more often is uh, show how the line fluctuates because that really determines to a lot of betters, not me, of course, because I'm not savvy on which end to pick. You know, your heart could be and your eyes could be with a certain team when reality says that you need to pick the other team based on where the money is and you know where, where the sharps are leaning. So it's, I'm glad you went over that to educate uh, some of the rookie gamblers out there. Moving over to the Cox side of things, um, I've been pretty, pretty light in my wagering, and I'm doing. I'm not as aggressive as I was last year. I can't say that I'm any smarter or wiser than last year, but well, I last year I, you busted. Yeah, I did. I busted, and I busted before the last week. So we're not going to do that this year. We're going to try not to. Knock on wood. So go ahead uh, for my straight up spread. Um, I'm throwing fifty on Cincinnati minus four. They're playing at Indiana. Uh, 50 to win 45. I don't believe in Indiana at all. I definitely believe in Desmond Ritter. For your sake, he better get his ass in gear and get that offense running like he normally does. Yes, he better. Um, so I love the Bearcats. I think we both are on them. Um, I'm also going to go with Virginia. I, I don't believe North Carolina. It's at North Carolina Chapel Hill. Virginia has looked really good. Traditionally, they are not a powerhouse, but they got this Brennan Armstrong slinging it around. Um, he's, he's a solid quarterback. I hear that, uh, in a few years, he's going to be looking at being in the NFL, one of the higher draft picks for quarterback. So mm -hmm. let me throw 30 on the money line for Virginia at Chapel Hill to win 81. I'm going to tease. That's a, three. that's a really good bet. I, I don't want to interrupt you here, but that's a really good Go bet. Ahead. The line opened on that game at 10. Wow. Already down to eight. Somebody knows. So the money's going, yeah, we know where the well, money's Virginia. going. So maybe I lucked out and picked the right side of that. So we'll see. Um, I, I think personally, I'm going to throw a couple of bucks on that one too. I'm also going to tease uh, some overs and unders. I like Fresno UC, UCLA. I'm teasing all these six. So I'm teasing it up to over, down to over 57. I think they explode. Both teams are capable mm -hmm. of it. Tulane Ole Miss over 69. And I'm going to go the opposite on this one. Kent State at Iowa. I'm going to go under 62. 
I think Iowa's defense and their offense is good enough to put up enough points, but not too many. And Kent State's going to probably score, I'd say, 10 to 14 points. They're going to put some points up, but not that many. So I like that $50 to win 90 for that three-team teaser. And in the NFL, I'm going 45 to win 45. I'm going with the fighting Patrick Mahomes and KC, minus four at a very wounded Baltimore team. I think that Baltimore, if there's an alternate spread, <clears throat> excuse me, have even more points, I might even throw it on that. Um, I, I like KC big, even at Baltimore on the road. Mm-hmm. Baltimore's ailing after that Monday night loss and with all the injuries. Um, so we'll see if those pan out. Um, any of those, uh, I know you mentioned Virginia that you're interested in. Um, anything in your personal wagers you're going to be putting down that you noticed outside of our wagering contest? You know, I, I, I've got a few. Um, I, I do. I've jumped on several that I really like on Saturday. Um, the, the big one is I, I did a teaser, a six-point teaser with Central Florida, pushing it down to minus one and a half in Maryland, down to minus two. That's probably the biggest bet I've made so far. I also did that with Cincinnati and with Notre Dame, just like we talked about on the show. I, I went big on that one. Um, I even like Cincinnati getting a minus four and a half. I like that. Those those are the big ones. You, you know, know I, I took a flyer on Memphis. I took them the money line on them because if you're, if you're for eleven bucks, you win sixteen. Yeah. So, you know, 110 wins you 165. So I, I like that. I'll risk that because the big payoff there. Those are the ones I'm really leaning towards this week. Um, and, the, and the ones that really jump out on the page and say, hey, we this, these are these are money makers. Yeah. I normally like to just wait as opposed to probably what I should do is place the bet earlier in the week. I like to wait until either Friday night or Saturday morning while I watch them game day you know, here for any possible injuries or COVID updates. Um, but a couple of games that jump out at me, I, I, I tradition in the last few years, Michigan state has stunk it up, but they're down at Miami. And mm-hmm. I, I think Miami, Miami's favored by six. I think that's the wrong way. I think Michigan state's running game controls that. Um, I, I like the money line there plus plus one ninety. Um, that was the main one that caught my eye. I, I like to tease whenever there's a uh, seven-point favorite like a Notre Dame and a UCF, I like to tease that and parlay it, uh, tease it six, so it's down to one. So essentially it's a pick em for both of them. So they both yeah. – I mean, you're not going to win that much because you're teasing it, but that's my, uh, for lack of a better term, strategy when it comes to teasing is kind of get the teams that are teasable down to a pick em. Even like Michigan – well, Miami's, I'm not going to take them. They're favored by six. Um, but, yes, what I like to do when I tease is look at the seven to six-point uh, favorites and get it down to where it's pick them. Looks like Florida's back up to plus 15. I'm not touching that. I, I think Bama rolls. But, um, yeah. Um, so that takes care of the wagering end of it. Um, let me go back to our agenda. I think we talked about something we wanted to bring up that uh, I mentioned Um I've noticed in pop culture talk that there is a Netflix documentary about uh, Leonard Skinner band that's down from here in Jacksonville, Clay County area. And uh, we were talking before the pod started and you had some info on 
an experience you had with someone within the Leonard Skinner family. And I, I recommend it to everybody to take a peek at it. It is, uh, oh, hell, if I leave here tomorrow, I want to say it's called, but yes. it's really worth a watch. It's got some really cool footage of Jacksonville from the 70s that I've never seen. I, I, I saw a Jack's liquor sign, which I haven't seen in years. I remember seeing on the West side back in the day. I've never went in one, mm. I don't believe, but that was cool to see. And just some uh, Tom Wills, the CBS or the um, channel four reporter back in the seventies when he first started, I guess was uh, doing a, a story on Skinner. So um, what, what did you have about Skinner? You want to talk about real quick? No, that uh, I've seen that documentary. It's really, really good. It, it, it tells a, a very true story. And I had the opportunity. One of my best friends used to date Johnny Van Zant's daughter. Um, she went to Middleburg High, and she was, uh, I'll say, a year or so younger than me. But we got to be friends. Our groups got to be friends. And I've been over to, to her and her mother's house. Her mother, after, after the plane crash that killed him, married the, special for, the drummer for 38 Special, I believe, and divorced him. So she had double the money. And uh, they have a room in their house. They live out in Orange Park. They got a room in their house. It's probably, I'll say, five or 600 square feet. And you walk into the room and there's a, a leather couch sitting on the floor. That's the only thing in the room. And around you, all the way around on all the walls are gold and platinum records from the band and pictures of them with uh, different celebrities and people they met and, and different things from their lives. And um, one of the cool things is that sometimes on a Friday night with some elixir would be passed around, she would start telling stories and, and they were all about the band and different stuff because she traveled with the band as well. And most of their songs, in fact, all of their songs that were written back then are all true. And they all happened mostly in Jacksonville. Like you know, the song, Give Me Three Steps, a, a guy actually pulled a gun on him in a bar because he was messing with his girl, with her girlfriend, his girlfriend. Oh, shit. So the, the, the Ballad of Curtis Lowe, if you, one of my favorite Skinner songs. If you haven't heard that song, you're go pull it up right now and listen to it. It's probably my favorite Skinner song of all. Hmm. Um, is a true story about a guy who used to play a dubro um, out in, I was told Middleburg. I don't know how true that is, but I was told Middleburg and they used to get in trouble for going to listening to him play. Hmm. So all those songs back then are, are or were told to me by the family to be true. Cool. Just a, a great family. Um, his daughter ended up marrying the lead singer of Shinedown. Oh, okay. So that, they that. continue on with that, that music history, but just really cool. I got to, you know, got to meet his daughter and, and talk to her a whole bunch. And the mom was really cool. It was just a really cool family. Yeah. And my wife and son went to a uh, Christmas play a few years, I won't say last year, in fact, or maybe before COVID. And uh, right behind her was uh, what's Ronnie's brother's name? I can't think of that. Uh, it escapes me. Jesus, he was sitting in the in the crowd, and she turned around and recognized him. He's he's a fairly well known, you know, player in Clay County still. And uh, she's like, yeah, yeah, we just thank you for all your music over the years. And he was very polite. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for being a fan. And he was cool and cordial. So that's cool to see there still. And and of course, I don't know if you know about this, but out in Green Cove or a couple of miles away from me, 
there is a park, Van Zant Park, Ronnie Van Zant Park. They've got a park dedicated to him. So that's pretty cool. That is really cool. Yep. It is really cool. Yep. So um, anything else to add? I think we're not going to do a side bet. I don't think you disagree with too many of my wagers. Is there anything well, no, I don't. Do you, okay. you disagree with any, any of mine? No, I'm on the same page with Charlotte. I think you're good there. I like the Memphis money line. I sadly can't disagree. So, you know, I like the side bet to be organic. So let's let's let the yep. sleeping dog lie until next week. All right. So, All right. Well, I do have one thing. I do oh, have absolutely. Please. So the, the only other thing I have is I got a lot of flack last week from, from fans about the golf shirt comment. Okay. Uh, <laughs> about wearing a golf shirt to work that has a, a – uh, uh, golf course logo yeah, yeah. And a logo and, yeah. and i'm here to tell you i stand behind i stand behind it i stand Please. beside it yeah um if you you're still an asshole you know <laughs> you can debate it all you want you're still an asshole you know you're oh just, man just a different kind of asshole the masters works uh congressional okay i get it pebble beach okay if you play there that's great rest of you bunch of assholes the comments and thoughts of that one Jason Odell are not necessarily the ones of giving the points podcast. I just thought I'd uh, give that disclaimer. Hey, stand behind your statement, dude. Uh, I'm, I'm halfway with you on that. I had a couple of people mention and talk about it and I, I can't wait for them to listen to this and, uh, and put their opinion on it. So stand by your comment, uh, be proud. Um, but uh, anything, <laughs> anything else to talk about on the wagering side or uh, football related? No, sir. Go Penn State. Okay. Well, for my co-host, Jason Osho Odell, I am once again Jeff Cox, wishing you, as always, much luck in your wagering endeavors. Good luck. Good boxing. Please don't forget to follow us at Giving the Points Podcast on Twitter. Again, that's Giving the Points Podcast spelled out. And don't forget to rate and review the show on the Apple and Anchor podcast apps. And as always, we thank you for listening to Two Middle-Aged Idiots Talk About Stupid Things.